of every name. And at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There are so many voices we hear today, so many threats coming against us, claiming to have the power. And I thank you that you, God, are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. And that Jesus Christ is in control. God, we acknowledge that today. And I just pray, God, that you would build our faith, that we would again acknowledge and sense in our hearts and spirits, that we would celebrate that fact, that we can live in the confidence of that fact. And God, that you would settle our hearts in the middle of all the turmoil that we see in our world today, that we wouldn't look at all those things or the news or anything, that we would look to Jesus. Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are in control of all things. And I just pray, God, today that you would convince us of that, that you would build our faith, and that you would give us peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we've been here today in your presence. And now we pray that you'll take the living word and change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Wow, those are some of my favorite songs. I have so many favorites. And uh, I appreciate our worship team, the time and energy they put in, uh, Judy putting in the time to really direct. And Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Very strategic and, and intentional with our praise and worship. Most astounding things happen when God shows up. An elderly woman lies in a hospital bed, her body racked with pain. Then God shows up. A middle-aged couple sit looking at each other, wondering how they will ever reconcile their differences and forgive. And God shows up. A young man is clinging to an overturned boat in the middle of a storm. Then God shows up. A teenage girl ready to take that last, final overdose of drugs. Then God shows up. A man in a midlife crisis. A woman in severe depression. A couple with rebellious children. A man out of work. A child with cancer. And God shows up. Most incredible things happen when God shows up. Now, I know God is everywhere present. He's omnipresent. But I'm speaking about those crisis points, the times of extreme need when God shows up in a supernatural way. God, in a special way, comes to each of us, and his presence with us changes everything. Changes everything. Today, we're going to talk about God's presence when God shows up, when God shows up. Where, when, for whom, how, and why. And most important, who is this God? What does he accomplish in our lives when he shows up? That's the question. Today, when God shows up, we're going to look at the third chapter of the book of Exodus. 
Exodus 3, it's on page 46 on the Bible in the rack in front of you, where you can follow along on the, on the projection as well. Genesis, I mean Exodus 3, first 15 verses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, and God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, that, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go into the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, I say, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Moses, as a young man, had a dream. Is that buzz coming from here? Can I turn this off? Actually, it's coming from somewhere else. Oh, well. Okay, we'll find it by next week. I don't know, whatever. Moses, as a young man, had a dream. His world-changing dream was to deliver his people, the Hebrews, from slavery in Egypt. And after all, wasn't he the logical choice? He knew Egyptian culture and politics. He was a man of education, position, connections, power, and influence. If anybody could deliver his people, he could, right? So he tried and failed. We saw that last two weeks ago in chapter 2. 
Moses tried to fulfill his dream, his calling, God's call in his life, in his own way, in his own strength, in the timing of his choice. And he failed. He failed. Today, as we look at Moses, it's 40 years later. Now he's 80 years old. Now, in that day, in, in, in today's age, I think I've heard this, 60 is the new 40. Then I think 80 was the new 30, something like that. But Moses went from 40 years old, and now he is 80. He was a shepherd in Midian. Midian is on the Arabian Peninsula on the other side of the Sinai Peninsula, which is a long ways from Egypt. He was at Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai, which is somewhere on the Sinai Peninsula. Nobody really knows for sure exactly where that is. And one wonders if over the last 40 years, for a long time, 40 years, if Moses had given up on his dream, if he had lost his passion, if, if he even had any ambition or direction in his life, then God shows up. God shows up. What do we learn about God showing up then? And what do we learn about it today? Now, first of all, where does God show up? Where does God show up? He shows up in the ordinary. In the ordinary. Moses was just doing his job. He was just being a shepherd. He was making a living. Going about his normal duties. And where does God show up? In the ordinary. In a bush. In a bush. A regular, ordinary bush in the desert. If that happened in Wisconsin, it might be some kind of scrub pine or something. God showed up in the ordinary life in an ordinary bush. Now, we, we like to think that God only shows up in the dramatic and the high points and the super spiritual. To those people in high spiritual positions, to famous leaders. But God shows up in the middle of our ordinary existence while working our normal jobs, living our normal lives. See, God chose a small, ordinary bush as his place to show up. To show up. A place of his presence. A place of revelation. The unusual part, of course, is the fact that the bush did not burn up. But, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But God's power and presence is for all of us in the ordinary stuff of life. Whether it's moms changing diapers or making school lunches or feeding kids. Dads coaching the kids' soccer team. Helping with homework, reading to them at night. Grandpa and grandma babysitting. Praying like crazy, which most grandparents do. And in your serving, where does God show up? In the ordinary. In the ordinary. To whom? Or who does God come to? He comes to the humble and broken in spirit. The humble and broken in spirit. God's presence is there for those that are humble and broken. Moses had had 40 years to be humbled. That's a lot of humbling. 40 years to be humbled. One writer said it this way. The first 40 years of his life, God made Moses a somebody. The second 40 years, God made Moses a nobody. The last 40 years, God took a somebody who thought he was a nobody and changed the world. Let me say that again. The last 40 years, God took a somebody who thought he was a nobody and he changed the world. God shows up. He comes to you and me in 
with this glorious presence and when we are humble and broken with nothing, really nothing left to give. Once upon a time, there was a pot, a clay jar at an inn, a place of rest and nourishment for desert travelers. This pot was beautifully crafted and was used to give water to many people. One day the pot said to himself, look at how great I am. See how many thirsty people have had their thirst quenched through me. See how many lives I've saved from death. How much joy and fulfillment I must give my owner to have done so much for so many people. Look at how much water has actually flowed through me. My, but I am great. The innkeeper, also the potter, overheard the little pot and thought to teach him a lesson. The very next day, he took a lump of clay and began to make a new pot right in front of the other pot. Ha! Another wastebasket, thought the proud little pot. He watched as the potter skillfully formed and shaped the new pot on his wheel, round and round and up and down and up again until he was satisfied. Then what the proud pot knew was a very painful process, the heat, the kiln. But all little pots must go through the kiln if they were to become useful vessels. The next day, the potter innkeeper took the new pot out of the kiln. Oh, what a beautiful wastebasket he'll make, thought the proud pot. But to his utter horror and amazement, he, the great water pot, was placed on the floor beside the workbench to become a wastebasket instead. And the new pot was put in his place. What is happening here? The new pot was now being used to serve guests and give water to weary travelers. Even though the new pot did not do anything to deserve such attention or importance. In fact, all he did was sit on the shelf. The innkeeper filled him with water. The travelers drank the water. And the proud pot was sitting there. All that happened was he would get filled with trash and garbage. After a few weeks of jealously observing this routine, it finally dawned on the proud little pot. All that was done through him, too, was done by the potter. He had done nothing. I guess I'm not so great after all, murmured the not-so-proud little pot. The very next morning, the potter came in, reached down and picked up the little pot, and he said, now I can use you for quenching others' thirst. When you are full of self, I cannot fit much water in you. But when you are empty, then you can be filled. Moses, after 40 years on the backside of the desert, was empty. So now he could be filled. He could be filled. Moses was humbled so he could be exalted. Moses was broken so he could be put back together again and then used by God. How about you? Have you ever been on the backside of the desert? I have. I have. Are you ready for when God shows up? God's presence cannot fill us when we're full of ourselves. God's presence cannot fill us when we're full of materialism. He cannot fill us when we're full of pride or ego or full of hurt or bitterness or unforgiveness. God shows up in the ordinary places of our lives when we are broken 
empty and humble, ready to fill us with himself. Next is how. How does God show up? Well, he gets our attention. He gets our attention. For Moses, God got his attention by a burning bush that didn't burn up. That would get most of our attention. In verse 2 and 3, Moses saw that the bush is on fire. It didn't burn up. So Moses says, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. God piqued his curiosity. If you can notice how a miracle is used here, as typically is in the scripture, it's to affirm God's message or messengers. Miracles are not a sideshow intended to entertain. They are there to affirm the word of God given to his messengers. You know, our God is infinitely creative. He gets our attention in a lot of different ways. How does God get your attention? How does God get your attention? How does he get your attention to draw you into his presence, to desire his person? Maybe it's tough times or tragedy, marriage problems or financial crisis or health issue or family issues. Or maybe it's good times, the birth of a baby that causes parents to take a a new look at the priorities and meanings in life. God doesn't bring tragedies into our life, but he does use them to get our attention. God also uses his grace and his kindness. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 2.4 says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Wow. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Kindness, tolerance, patience. Revealing God. God showing up in our lives and all his goodness. And that actually gets our attention. It should. Leads us to God gets our attention when God shows up. Then we ask the question, why? Why does God show up? Why does God show up? What is God planning to accomplish with his presence? The first thing we find is purification. Verse 5 talks about holiness. Holiness means being pure and being set apart for God. Because God was presence present what had been ordinary became holy what is ordinary is made holy by God's presence God's presence makes us holy God shows up in our lives because he wants to make us holy he wants to purify us are you tired of the what is whatever it is tired of the status quo fire is a symbol of God's presence fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the agent of God here on earth. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus the Son is seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. God the Holy Spirit, this fire, is present with us on earth. On earth. Fire is the symbol of God's presence. God's presence. Fire is also used for God's purifying presence. One of the interesting things, Kyle and Delish say this, They believe that the bush represented the people of Israel who were burning in the fire of affliction. But even though they were experiencing a fire, they were not consumed or destroyed. So they were burning in affliction, but they were not consumed 
or destroyed. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as Pastor Josh preached about last Sunday. In the fire, but not consumed. Not consumed, demonstrating God's protection. Because Jehovah God was in the flames, purifying them, keeping them alive. God shows up in our tough bushes, in our tough circumstances. And even though the fire of God's presence burns in us, sometimes it burns away the chaff or the useless stuff, so we're not consumed, but we're purified. God shows up with his holiness, his presence to make us holy, to set us apart. In our Sunday gathering, we come here to meet with God, to experience his presence. When we worship him, he inhabits our praises and we come into contact with the living God in a grouping, a group of like-minded people. What happens? His presence purifies us. Why does God show up? Secondly, for revelation. For revelation. Verse 6. In verse 6 it said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. In verse 14, he talks about his name. I am who I am. God shows up to reveal what and who he is. God told Moses his name. Explain the name by which he made himself known to Abraham, the making of the covenant. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. It's timeless. See, the name, we name people popular names, and we name our children and do things. The Hebrew people and name their children names that had significant meaning. And when it talks about the names of God, this one in particular, his name was his person, his character, his authority, his power, and his reputation. I am that I am means he's timeless. He's over all things. It's a totality of who God is. When Jesus introduced himself to the Pharisees and, and scribes, they asked him about his origin, and he said, before Abraham was born, I am. He used the name of God, identifying himself as God himself. I am. And when God shows up, we begin to see who he is. Not only just theologically and historically, but experientially. We experience God. It's, it's very important that we actually experience God in relationship. That's not the sum total of God. But it's important that we ex actually experience a relationship. With, it's more than just head knowledge. It's a relationship. And testimonially, tell others telling how they've experienced God. So God's presence brings revelation about who and what he is. Why? Let us see intervention. In verses 7 and 9, it talks about what God is going to do. It says God sees, God hears, and God is concerned. When God shows up, he takes action to hear and answer prayer. We're talking 80 years of prayer for Moses. 80 years of prayer. How long have you been praying for someone or something, for healing, for the salvation of a loved one, a son, a daughter, father, mother, sister, brother, 
uncle or aunt. How long have you been praying for a revival in Wisconsin? Is it possible that we could have revival here in Eau Claire? Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. 80 years? Wow, that's, that's a long time. Our daughters attended a Christian school, and one of the blessings of Christian school is they, they were able to openly pray. And our youngest daughter, Brianna, in fourth grade, the teacher, before class would start for the day, she'd say, are there any prayer requests that we can pray for today? And she'd let certain people pray for those prayer requests. And our daughter, both of our daughters, were praying for their Uncle Carl. He didn't know Jesus. Uncle Carl, who lived in Salem, Oregon. And so they prayed for him lots. And so at school, it was natural for them to say, uh, can we pray for my Uncle Carl? He's not, he doesn't know Jesus. The next day, she said, are there any prayer requests? And Brianna raised her hand and said, can we pray for my Uncle Carl? He doesn't know Jesus. And the teacher said, well, we prayed for him yesterday. Well, she said he's not saved yet. She was going to be persistent. You know, they prayed for 20 years, and Uncle Carl got cancer. And Judy had the opportunity to lead him to Jesus Christ six months before he went to heaven. And I want you to know his life was transformed incredibly. I was gone. I had to go back up to Seattle. She was there. I came back, and she didn't have a chance to talk to me. And I walked in, and I said, What's, what happened to Carl? There was a, a vibrancy, a life, an energy in his eyes, smiling. His whole countenance had changed. 20 years of prayer, followed by 40 years of prayer, by Judy's mom, followed by who knows who else. Prayer. Pray, pray, pray. God was doing the preparation process. God was there all the time. God intervenes and reveals his ongoing presence. See, Israel was going to be in Egypt for 400 years before they got to go to the promised land. Prayer, when God shows up, he intervenes, intervention. The fourth why, when God shows up, he brings redemption, redemption. God's going to deliver them from Egypt to the promised land. When God delivers us from something, he redeems us to something, from slavery to freedom, from Egypt to the promised land. What chains bind you today? God, the Holy Spirit, comes to set you free. You may be here to say, I don't understand what you're saying. I have a question for you. Are you satisfied with what is? Are you satisfied with what is? Are you totally satisfied with your life today or are you, are you fulfilled? Do you have all the meaning that you're looking for in your life? God delivers us from meaninglessness, wandering, hopelessness, drifting, existential emptiness to meaning and direction and purpose and fullness in life. That's what God wants to do for you if you haven't given your life to Jesus. When God shows up, he delivers us 
and he redeems us. In the ultimate sense, God showed up in human form by sending Jesus, becoming human, one of us, to deliver us from, to redeem us to. Redeem means to buy back. Jesus died, paid the price to buy us back, redeem us for God. So that ultimately, as the Israelites were going to enter the promised land, we could enter eternal life and in heaven with God forever. Guaranteed. One last question. Who? Who is this God who shows up? What does this reveal about him? First of all, he's a God of relationship. He said, I'm a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of relationship. This is not just a God of impersonal force, but a personal God, a God of relationship. That's what makes it so different than any other religion on the face of the planet. Christianity is a God, has a God of relationship who has from the beginning sought to restore that relationship with us. It's also God of history. God of history. It says a God to be remembered from generation to generation. A God who is active in every part of history, past, present, and future. That's who our God is. You know, we don't know what's coming next two hours. We don't know what's coming next week. We, we don't know this. We know past, present a little bit. We don't know future. God is a God of past, present, and future. He's active in every part of that. And I guarantee you that he is active in our world today, overseeing and superintending world events. We don't understand it. All we have to do is focus on him and say, God, I don't know. I just know you. And who is this God? He's a God of timeless self-existence. Before Abraham existed, I am, Jesus said. God sees, lives, and moves, not bound by time. He sees everything in the now, in the present. Everything we know has a past, present, and future. God sees everything as now. He's outside of time. Before anything existed, God said, I am, that I am. That's the God who shows up in the ordinary, to the humble, and gets our attention. And our lives are never the same again when God shows up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God that takes care of all details of our lives. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to speak to us as we move forward. Just pray, Lord, that you would transform our lives today. I pray that you'd make us aware of when you show up. And, Father, that we would know what you're doing in our lives. And I just pray, God, that you would give us confidence today in every way that you are in control. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we?